So great. Uh, this is a great Sunday. We're, we got um, Andy Needham and Bethany here to, to lead us in worship. They're leading a seminar this afternoon, as was mentioned. It goes hand in hand with our new sermon series we're kicking off today. But before we move on, one more thing. Over the last number of weeks, we've been doing this SHAPE series. It's all based on the fact that we are God's workmanship, that God has created us to do good things, which he's prepared for us. And we want to know how God has uniquely shaped us and gifted us to to be a blessing to others, to serve, and it gives him glory. So if you would still like to take next steps in that, if you want ideas, right on the front of the church webpage, freechristian.org, there's a blue banner, click that. There's lots of ideas of how you can um, take a next step in using your gifts and exploring that. Contact Pastor Dan. He's got a ton of resources. We don't want to just move on from that. It's, it's central and core to our way of life together to know how God has gifted us and to use that. So I don't want to just plow past that without stopping, say there's still a lot of great resources. But today is a, a new start. So we actually... This is that little window in between. There was the fall kickoff where kids go back to school and ministries are starting back up, and it's all very exciting. And then there's the holiday rush, and we got this little window in between where we can sort of take our breath and take a maybe a big picture view of of things and and take account of things. And so we're going to spend this week and the next four on this sermon series, and the theme is worshiping the God of all in all of life. And it, uh, some of the inspiration of this comes from a resource by the same title uh, by uh, my friend Mark Green and his colleagues at the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, uh, folks I've been able to, to interact with and get to know over the last number of years. But what we're going to do is look at the Psalms of David and think about a life of worship, worshiping the God of all in all of life. Now, David is great. He's a man of deep faith, a man after God's heart and a man who really understood what it meant to praise and worship God. He's also a deeply flawed person, which is good news for us, because God can call deeply flawed people to accomplish good purposes, to be his people in our day. And for him, even as flawed as he was, his worship and his prayer is exemplary for us. And we're going to look at these these writings, these psalms, basically these poetic expressions of praise um, as, as examples for us. For this sermon series, I, my, my goals, three goals, one is that we want to have a broader understanding of prayer and a broader understanding of worship. So, you know, worship is, we know, is much more than just a worship service, which we call this, or even part of a worship service, the part where we're singing, we call that worship. But worship, obviously, is so much more than what we do here in this room. Scripture teaches that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices. That's our spiritual worship. That's, that's an all-the-time, living-every-day kind of thing. So that's a, a big, beautiful picture of worship and of prayer. And so I want to help us to have a bigger imagination for what that looks like in our lives. The second goal is to try to uh, bridge the sacred-secular divide, we'll call it. So the the idea of the sacred-secular divide is that God really cares about some things and some people and some times and places, but not so much about others. You know, there's all the spiritual bits of your life and um, spiritual people and 
spiritual gatherings, and then there's sort of the secular life, which where God doesn't isn't really there, doesn't really care. That's not true. We believe that God is the God of all, and we want to uh, erase that divide to see all of life under God's care and under God's provision in living our life in response to that. The third goal is to also find ways of worshiping God in all the seasons of the soul, meaning there's times when it can be very hard to worship God or to to focus on God. Um, Perhaps if you are grieving or if you feel depressed or stressed or angry or just restless or whatever whatever unsettles your life, it can be hard to, to know and experience God's goodness and to worship him. And I want to, especially towards the end of this series, consider how in those different places we might um, still have hearts of worship, even in those, those times. So this is, um, again, taking kind of a big picture of things today, but also how do we carry these big picture things into our everyday lives? So let's pray together as we begin. So Father, we just thank you for another chance to gather in your name as your people, And we know you're here. And we know that you have a reason for us being here. Pray that by your spirit, you would show us what that is. That you would speak to us. That you transform our hearts. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. And that it would do its work in our hearts as we meditate on it in this time. We give ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today, Psalm 145. Psalm 145, David's great psalm of praise. It's the only one that is titled, you know, Psalm of Praise. There's a lot of praise in the Psalms. This is the, this is the big one. You know when you sing a praise song and you sing it down low and then you go up an octave? And we, get, I'll get, we did that earlier with the, um, Lord, I need you. And then we go, Lord, I need you up there. And you just go up with it and you just get caught up into it. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, he said, Psalm 145 is praise in the high key. This is where David's writing all his psalms, and we have all these beautiful things, and he just takes it up a whole octave for us right here in Psalm 145. And it's all about the scope of our worship and the basis of our worship. The basis of our worship is obvious. It's God. It's who he is. It's his... uh, It's. His greatness, it's his goodness, it's all the things that he's done, it's all of his character and all of his actions are worthy of praise. And as we look through Psalm 145, we're going to see that. But I want to frame this in terms of the scope of our worship. On which level does our worship of God happen? So I want to look at three levels of this. The first level is the personal level. Right in verse 1. I will exalt you. My God, the King, I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. This is a statement of personal connection to God and personal prayer and praise. Now, when I say personal, I don't mean private. It's not, you know, my little private relationship with God. This is my individual relationship with God that I have, that here David saying, I choose to praise God. I am connected to God. Verse 3, because why? God is the Lord, great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. It's all about this unfathomable greatness of God. And for every person, 
There comes that moment. Because God's existence is obvious in our world. And just as scripture teaches, God has made himself known. Every person on earth knows that God exists. You either have to accept it or you have to try to suppress it. And Romans 1 in the New Testament describes how people either embrace it or suppress it. And there comes a point for people of faith where you realize that God is real and he's inescapable. That you are a finite being and that you are a created being. And God is an infinite being and he is uncreated. And you realize, I am a created being and I live under the authority of an all-powerful God. Therefore, he is worthy of worship. You, you sit under the authority of this great God and you say, whoa. And we can feel very small in that moment. And God is so great. But you realize that I've been living my life my own way where I'm in control and I do the things I want to do and I, I, live, I live my own way, and you decide, now you say, okay, I see clearly that God is real and I'm now turning from my way, I turn to him. I used to live on the throne of my life in control and now I see God is on his throne and he is supreme. And that reorients my whole life. Now, that can also be a very scary feeling because God is so big and so great in that moment of faith. But God is not just great. He is also good. So verse 8 becomes a key here in our personal worship. Verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. That notion that God, those very words that God is Gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. We see it all through the scriptures and the people of faith. When God revealed himself and he, God was revealing his law and his way to Moses, Exodus 34, 6 says, He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. In the Psalm, Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Nehemiah, uh, reestablishing God's people as a, as a community, teaching them, our forefathers were arrogant, stiff-necked. They did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Again and again, we see God's people clinging to these words that God is gracious, God is compassionate, he is slow to anger, abounding in love. And you can see why that would lead to your own personal praise, because God is not just great and, and holy and sovereign and so much all-powerful and I am not in control, but we realize that that great God is also a good God. And how do we know? We know because of the cross that all the ways that we've lived life without him, all of the sin, all of the putting ourselves in control, we realize that he came all the way to this earth and gave his life to reconcile us, to bring us back to him, to, that we would have a way to be forgiven. And that's what the cross is all about. Jesus gets the punishment and we receive his goodness, his righteousness, new life that we can be connected to God and not crushed, and not just in fear, but in, in, a, in a personal connection of love. And that is going to lead to a life of praise. That's why David says, I'll exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you. I'll extol your name forever and ever. 
this ever and ever language, this is whole life worship. I've now reoriented my life towards God and everything I do now is in praise and worship to him. So I don't have to go about life moment by moment just afraid all the time. I don't have to go life moment by moment trying to succeed all the time, trying to get ahead, trying to win this race of life or achieve whatever American dream or whatever your goal is to say, there's goals that are greater than me. There's a God that is greater than me. He's great, but he is also good, and I will praise him forever and ever. That is personal, individual worship. But the scope of worship is greater than that. So secondly, the scope of worship is also corporate. It's not just personal. Verse 10, all your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of your, the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. You see the shift from uh, the singular to the plural, from the individual to the corporate, that as God, as people put their faith in God, he is calling them to be a people together, a collective group of worshipers. In, in our generation today, we are a collected group of worshipers together proclaiming praise to God. And so Free Christian Church, we've just turned 175 years old, and uh, we, we thank God for the generations of faith. And it's our generation in our day that we are called to, to, be, to be faithful, to be worshipers. And I love verse 4 where it says, One generation commends your work to another. It's, we, the praise of God we pass from us to others. Now, I've heard people lament, and, and rightly in some ways, they lament, they say, you know, this next generation has lost its moral compass, kind of lost its way. And we need to, you know, we need to reground and, and teach morality. And in many ways, we should. But what we pass to the next generation primarily is not morality. We pass on our praise. Our connection to God, our love of God, is what we give to that next generation. And from the love of God, as we love God, we love his way, we, we love what is right and good, and goodness and morality and those things will flow from that. But the foundation is God and the praise of the one true God. And it's our responsibility to pass that to the next generation. We are dead serious about youth ministry and children's ministry in this church. And we will gather in every way and do all that we can to instill that into the next generation and raise up preachers like Gabby. My goodness, she's, she's we're, you know, God's given her the, the gift there. And uh, we, we want to see children growing in their, their faith and using their gifts for God's glory. Um, and again, it's not about... Um, it's not about us. It's, it's about us pointing to God and what he's done. Verse 10, all your works praise you. So worship isn't about us all together trying to reach out to God to manipulate him or get him to achieve our goals, but just proclaiming what he's already done. And as we do that, it, um, it is aligning us with his way. And it's telling a story to the world. Verse 11 they tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. As we are worshipers, here this psalm is saying that it's going to tell a story to the world around us. So if we just worship inside of a building with closed doors, the world won't hear it. But as we live it out as a way of life, it's, it's all the world... Um, all people might know of God's mighty, mighty acts. You have a, as you go, you have a story to tell. 
So what does that look like? You know, if you're going to live this out, a life of praise, not just in this room, which is great to worship in this room, but as you go, does that mean that I just go and just tell everybody about Jesus? You know, everybody in my workplace, everybody, I'm just knocking on doors and telling about Jesus. Maybe. Well, does it mean that I, I, you know, quietly go about my day and I am just maybe nicer than my neighbors and coworkers? Maybe. I think it's all of that. It's, it's about a way of life that sees God as supreme, where we love a certain way, and we do our work a certain way, and we listen to people a certain way, and we live not for our own glory, but for God's glory. And therefore, we seek justice a certain way. And as we, we seek to love and to care for those in need in a certain way, and as we live towards God in his way, it's telling a story. And it will open doors to speak the name of Jesus and to to demonstrate what that is. But it's a whole spectrum of life that we live, and it's all lived in light of, and it can look a lot of different ways, but it's all lived in light of God's, that God is supreme, and it's us together telling this story. Because it's our personal connection, but corporately, together as worshipers. And thirdly, the the scope of worship is even beyond that. It's cosmic. Verse 21, let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Every creature, literally all flesh, everything on earth praising forever and ever. This is every single creature with a never-ending song. This is the the goal of worship or the scope of worship is cosmic in its nature. God is the God of all and worthy of all praise. Nothing is beyond his authority, and therefore uh, nothing is unworthy of his praise. He's worthy of all praise. And this whole way that this psalm is written, it's an acrostic poem. And we looked at one of these a a few weeks ago. But basically, you take all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and each letter of the alphabet gets a few lines of this expression of praise. But when you see it from from A to Z, in Hebrew, it's A to T. But it's, uh, when you see it from beginning to end, you see the whole thing is laid out to, to show how complete the praise of God is to be. And, it's, and you just look at how many times that this describes the God of all. So look at verse 9. We'll run through these, starting in 9. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you in verse 10. In verse 12, so that all people may know your mighty acts. Verse 13, your dominion through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and all he does. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all. He lifts up all. Verse 17, he's righteous in all his ways and all he does. 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him. Verse 20, the Lord watches over all. Do you see the theme here? He's the God of all. Worthy of all praise. This is God's comprehensive rule over all of creation, over all things. And the invitation for you today is to get caught up in it. That you can get caught up in God's story of redeeming a broken world, a God who is worthy of praise, and you are invited to be part of that as a worshiper of God. There's not one inch of creation that is not under God's control. There is not any time in which he is not worthy of worship. He is the God of all. So this worship is going to be personal for you. It's going to be corporate as us together as a community, and it's going to be cosmic in its scope. So how do I live this out? 
moment by moment. How do I live this out in tomorrow at this time? My encouragement, I know that this is going to be a seminar today and you're going to be exploring some of these ideas, but I would just say, what is it about our gathered worship that you can take with you as you scatter? Meaning, we sing together. How do you bring music into your everyday? A song for God. Maybe you're listening to, to praise music or you're, you sing a song or you bring it with you. It, how, how is song part of your everyday? Or we pray together as we gather. How is prayer part of your day? Do you just start your day in prayer or end it or both? Or how do you infuse prayer as you look at the work you have to do, as you face a, a struggle, as you have a tough relationship? How are you praying in those moments, either stopping to pray or praying in the midst of it? The same thing with God's word. We focus a lot of our time on God's word. How is God's word part of your everyday? Do, maybe you spend, take time and you, spend, you, you read portions of God's word. Or maybe it's just one phrase or one promise of God that you're focused on through your day that you bring to mind over and over. That we do these same things that we do corporately here. We bring it with us. It's the things that we do gathered, we're going to do those things scattered as well. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to tell a story to our world. We are called to be caught up into this story where every creature praises God's holy name forever and ever Let us pray. Father, this is a big vision that you've given us in your word, a big call to praise you. And you are a great God. We thank you that you are also a good God, a loving God who is compassionate and who has done everything to save us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that we would be people, that we would go from here praising you in all that we put our hand to, and everything before us, that you would help us to grow in our worship and grow in our understanding of who you are and how great you are, Lord. Be glorified in your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.